When it comes to the concrete roofs in the schools, it's easy to say, well, it's the Treasury's fault for not providing the money in the education budget. Look at the queues for operations in the hospitals and the waiting for A&E. Well, must be the Treasury that hasn't given enough money to the NHS. Look at the bankruptcy of Birmingham City Council. Can't be the councillors, can it? It must be that the Treasury hasn't provided enough money to local government to carry out all those social care functions, which the Treasury, of course, should have provided the funds for. And so on and so on. When it comes to industry, why is the British economy not steaming ahead? Oh, well, it's because our industrial strategy is always stymied by the Treasury that stands in the way that won't give out enough subsidies. It's an easy argument, and one that particularly oppositions in the past have focused on, though not so much Labour now, who realise the state of the British economy is not going to be one in which spending, spending, spending is going to be all that easy. But more fundamentally, is the Treasury at the heart of our current economic difficulties and the deep structural problems in the economy? Is it the case that if only we'd broken it up and politicians have been trying to do that since under George Brown and Harold Wilson in the 1960s, Department of Economic Affairs was supposed to take over as an industry ministry away from a narrow finance ministry. Could that have solved the problems? Well, there are quite a lot of criticisms that can be levied at the Treasury in respect of the detail of what it does. It focuses on cash, the legacy it inherited from back from William Gladstone. Its job is to balance the books, and it clearly doesn't distinguish as well as it might between current spending and investment spending. That's a reasonable criticism to make. In focusing on cash, it's mindful of trying to shift costs onto customers' bills and away from taxpayers' bills. That's why so much of the utility spending comes out of the day-to-day household bills for utilities and not from taxpayer funds. Although even that's changed under the furlough scheme and, of course, under the subsidies for energy bills. It uses a narrow project-by-project cost-benefit analysis. It doesn't think about systems. It looks at each particular spending bid from each particular department in the annual and three-year cycles of ask for as much as you can if you're a spending department and if you're the Treasury, try and head off as much of that spending as you can to make sure the numbers actually add up. But that's detail and it wouldn't be that difficult to sort out that detail. But the larger story about the Treasury And the reason why we like to blame it is because it stands between us and essentially a loss of fiscal control and then deep economic crises, balance of payments, problems, sterling devaluation, etc, etc. We've been cushioned because we had the revenue from the North Sea and a bit of revenue from flogging off the nationalised industries. But now the Treasury's back in the firing line and it is trying to hold the line 
against a really large set of demands that people are now, as voters and politicians more generally, piling up at its door. Take net zero. We're told that it's going to make energy cheaper for all of us. Well, be good if it does, but uh, don't hold your breath. But in the meantime, well, you know, it's half a billion per industrial investment of subsidy. Half a billion for a gigafactory, half a billion for steel. This is something which you might be able to carry off in the United States, but when you look at the size of the fiscal hole in the UK, it's not at all clear that we can just bung half a billion here and half a billion there. And when it comes to the almost infinite demands that a free-on-the-point-of-demand health service can provide, there's never going to be enough money spent on health from the uh, public and across the political spectrum perception. And, of course, we will do want it free, and we do want to have that operation exactly when we want it, and we do want to see a GP immediately. Decent societies do those things, but, of course, decent societies also accept that we're going to have to pay for it and ultimately, all that can pay for it is the economic productivity of the economy. That's something that Labour has realised this time around as we approach the election. Their pitch is, well, we can only really do the spending by getting economic growth going. The weakness in the argument is they just assume that the economic growth is actually going to materialise, that they can, within five years, turn the UK into the fastest-growing economy amongst the G7. Well, good luck with that. Great if it happens from a point of view of public finance, but the idea that you want to bank on that and that you're prepared to face down all the demands for extra spending in a Labour-controlled Treasury if the economy doesn't grow, as promised, well, that's going to be a big political ask and it'll be interesting to see what happens. But if you look behind all this, these very large demands for spend, 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 bailout, 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 and the limited amount of public resources, what lies behind our criticism and blame of the Treasury on the one hand, and on the other hand, our failure to provide the means to do this stuff, is a pretty simple observation. None of us want to pay. We want cakeism. We want the Boris Johnson world where we have our cake and eat it. We want the spending, world-class NHS, every politician will tell you is the ambition, and we want to have low taxes. And it's interesting as we approach the election that neither party is suggesting they're going to put up tax. And of course, everybody knows the tax is going to go up, or we're going to have really serious further and maybe bigger crises across the entirety of the public services. Take the most egregious case of cakeism. It's the pensioners, or rather the politicians bidding for the pensioners' vote. The triple lock is an extraordinary political device. It represents the fact that most voters are over 50, which probably most voters are over 55, 
and therefore they're either pensioners or about to get their pension. Imagine standing up at the next election and saying, you know what, the workforce relative to the pensioners is shrinking. Loads of people do not want to go back to work. So our unemployment figures may be low, but the economically inactive section of the workforce is really very big. We've got all those pressures out there, but those politicians who want to get elected know they can't say at the next election, well, you know what? We can't afford it. The triple lock's going to go. We're not actually going to increase pensions by uh, the largest number we can think of and promise and commit to do that. Imagine instead we said, you know what? Pensions are going to be tied to the performance of the economy. If it improves, then pensions can improve. If it does not improve, then pensions cannot improve. You'd lose the next election because whichever party said that, the other party would say, vote for us and protect your pension. And you know what? Most people in that older bracket will probably vote for their second party and not the first. That's the reality. And until we meet up at a point in which we wish to live within our economic means and our environmental means, until we reach the sustainable economy, until we maintain the assets properly and pay for the maintenance of the assets, pay for fixing the potholes, pay for fixing the social care, pay for fixing the roofs on the schools and the hospital buildings, pay for the broader infrastructure protection and maintenance. Until we do that, then the last bastion that stands in front of us is the Treasury. And we should be very grateful that we actually have a Treasury that so far has roughly managed to hold the line. Instead of blaming the Treasury for not spending, blame ourselves. We're the cakest people. We want to have our cake and we want to eat it. And the thing is that if the Treasury surrenders, if people get their way of overcoming, quote, Treasury opposition to each spending proposition, if we get our way, then we will live in an unsustainable economy, as we are at the moment, and the consequences will not be avoided. It will not be sustained. So next time your mind is say, it's all the Treasury's fault, reflect it's probably more your fault than the Treasury's. Thank you. <laughs>